You're listening to the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, your source for tips and tricks on building wealth through real estate in Connecticut. You will get the best techniques from leading local experts in real estate and lending. Now, here's your host, Robert Weinberg. Saturday morning to everybody. Welcome to Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. Uh, well, Rob, Rob, I, I know you don't celebrate Christmas, but it's Christmas Eve. So for, for our folks who are listening or watching from home, uh, those who celebrate Christmas, uh, Merry Christmas to you. Merry oh, I, Christmas. You're a season, you get it caught up in that. I love it. Are you kidding? Uh, I've said it before. Christmas music is my favorite. I have it on in my office starting around Thanksgiving. I know you do. And I just keep it going. It's just, it's festive. It's cheerful. It's optimistic. It is. It puts you in a, it, put, it really does put you in a good mood. It's so funny though. My, my parents have been divorced for many years and my father married a Jewish woman and, um, I'm not going to say they don't celebrate Hanukkah or they don't, but, I'd be lying to you if I also didn't say that they celebrate Christmas as well. Because my father's Christian, my stepmother's Jewish, so they just do both. And and she even said, she goes, oh, God, when I was a kid growing up, I was so jealous. I wanted to celebrate Christmas. I think they were. she was more religious at growing up, as a child growing up, than as, as an adult later on. And I said... Well, uh, as a as a former mobile DJ, I was so jealous of the bar and bat mitzvahs that I used to. You got some insane, crazy, expensive gifts. I think so. it's it's insane how many gifts you have to get with Hanukkah. Well, eight, I eight well, days, I right? grew up in a lower to middle class family. We only got one or two presents the entire time. I thought you get but, one a day. Well. Yeah, if you have money, you get one a day. So I would go to Hebrew school or these places and I would talk to other kids and they would be getting the one a day. And I was very jealous of that. They were getting one nice present every night. I was just – me and my brothers, I have two brothers. We were both just getting one to two nice presents, but just one or two. We weren't getting it every well, night. And my nice. parents my parents would consider the, the chocolate gelt. You know what that is? Yeah, yeah. They would consider that a present for Hanukkah. My grandma used to get me – a coloring book when I was young. That would be a Hanukkah present. So I only tell you that because, you know, I know what it's like to not have a lot. But now my daughter gets eight presents because my wife is insane on Amazon and she's just always buying. And next thing you know, we have at least eight presents and they're nice ones. So I'm we're fortunate. To but be it's able to true when you're a parent, you want to give your child a better Christmas or a better Hanukkah of in your course. case, a better upbringing than, than what you had. You had. Always. So that's normal. That's everybody, I would that's think. That's always Most been people. like that. Uh, yeah, it's 100% like that. And I think I have some other family members, too, that because of the whole dynamic between Christmas and Hanukkah, they actually do like a Hanukkah bush. So it's like a tree <laughs> for Hanukkah. and They can do ornaments and all that. They put uh, presents under the tree. So it kind of gives you the best of both worlds, right? Um, obviously, very religious people don't do that, but it's a way to kind of mesh them together. I was looking at my daughter's schedule for daycare and like – 
almost every day this week is obviously talking about Christmas. They did one or two Hanukkah days, but hey, we got to pepper that in because you got to be well-rounded, right? Like this is an interconnected world and in business and life, you're dealing with people from all different walks of life. So you have to be exposed to Kwanzaa, Christmas, Hanukkah and everything in between. Like there's so many holidays. So I think it's great to get that early on and know that like I'm not isolated just because I can only do one. There's unique things with each holiday that others don't get. Hanukkah, though, is not the most significant date on the Jewish calendar, oh, right? That no. Yom Kippur, Yom I would Kippur, think, is yeah. a lot more where you're spending, you know, hours in a synagogue yep, and, yep. and asking forgiveness oh, yeah. and, and fasting, right? Where Hanukkah, at least what I was it's told. Festive. Yeah. It's festive. Festival of lights, the menorah, the yeah. uh, the story. The gift giving. And, yeah, and, yeah, and there's a really good biblical story about the... Um, you know, the light that went on for days and days, eight days, actually, yeah. when they thought it was only going to last a short amount of time. So, like, that's the Hanukkah miracle. That's the optimism, though, that I love because certain holidays in all religions have really bad things around them, right? Like negative things, death and whatnot, whereas Hanukkah is like a festival and other holidays like that are positive and optimistic. And that's really what we want to hone in on today is being yeah. like very upbeat for the new year, talking about the forecast for the new year, because uh-huh. there's a lot of great things, even though we've all had a rough year. Um uh, there's a lot of great things coming. Ahead. All right. So before we start looking at forecasts for 2023, tell me what is the current state of the housing market? And then we'll get into the future. So housing's really local, as we've talked about. So like certain cities and areas are going to be better than others. But, you know, as a whole, we're talking to people in Connecticut right now, most of our listeners, at least. And the Connecticut housing market right now is kind of in this transitional period. It's in this uh, this phase of flux. So we've had a really limited inventory. And I wrote down some statistics here. The number of homes sold decreased by 28.4%. Okay. That's significant. So we are seeing a shift. We're seeing a downturn, uh, be it maybe temporary, but we're also coming off levels that were historical, right? 2020, 2021 were the best years for real estate in decades. So when you're comparing now with this shift, with this uh, flux, yeah, it's down. It's down almost 30% in the amount of homes sold as far as uh, inventory and whatnot. The median sale price is up, though. The median sale price in Connecticut is now 353600 And just over the last year, prices have gone up 6.7%. Connecticut, you're talking. In Connecticut, okay. okay? The median sale price over the last several years since before the pandemic, it's jumped 30%. So it is more expensive now. Forget interest rates, just prices is more expensive now to buy a home than it was a couple years ago. And it's funny. I've talked about it on some of our other episodes. In 2018 and 2019, I had people tell me, Rob, the prices are way too high right now. I'm not buying a home. I remember this time of year in 2019, a very, very astute investor that I've worked with that owns multiple properties, and he bowed out of the housing market in December of 2019 and said the prices are too high. Had he actually had the foresight he missed and, out. Yeah, and, and stuck to his guns, the house that he was looking to buy at one point that was three fifty is now worth over five hundred thousand. So it's just a great scenario to be in the market when there's, you know, this period of transition. And uh, the state of the housing market is definitely moving into the favor of buyers, which we haven't seen in quite some time. How has the market changed though? Let's just say, let's just, let's just look at the last year and what factors have contributed to the, the changes. 
Right. So the prices over the last year, like we're saying, have gone up. Um, they haven't stayed stagnant or gone down like some people have hoped, but they've actually continued to increase, like we said. The main things that are going into that is supply and demand, the inventory shortages. So there's just not a lot of homes for sale for reasons we'll be talking about. A lot of people don't want to move. They don't want to put their home up for sale right now. So there's very limited inventory, but there's still a lot of people that are ready to get out of their parents' basement. They're ready to get out of the one-bedroom apartment rental, and they're ready to move to their long-term property or at least to become a homeowner and stop renting. Because there's so many people like that and so little homes for sale, easy economics, supply and demand. The prices have to go up. They're not going to go down when there's more buyers than there are sellers. So the main things that are making people actually want to stay in Connecticut or move here and create that demand is that uh, commuting flexibilities, right? So several years ago, like if you got a job, you had to go in pretty much five days a week, right? Now that's not the case. There's very, very good employment opportunities that are doing like a hybrid where you may only have to go into work one day a week, two days a week. There's some positions. I've had clients recently that are relocating to Connecticut from high cost states like New York or California. And the reason they're moving here is because they can get so much more for their money in Connecticut and they don't have to go into the office anymore. So they're a hundred percent remote. They can get paid the California salary and live the Connecticut lifestyle, pay the Connecticut prices. So it's been very attractive for people. And I know like when I moved to Connecticut from North Carolina back in 2009, I had a little bit of sticker shock because North Carolina is a really low case, uh, low price place. Before that, I lived in Florida. Maybe not now, but back in the day, Florida was a really low cost place and had no state income tax, still does. So I had sticker shock. So like when you live here in the Northeast already, you look at it and are like, we pay a lot. But go look at other areas like Los Angeles, San Francisco, Chicago, New York City, Miami. Go look at those areas now and compare that to Hartford. Compare that to Fairfield. Compare that to Tolland. Compare that to any any county anywhere in Connecticut. You'll see you get a lot more bang for your buck. So it's really a matter of people seeing that and being attracted to that remote lifestyle, the, the ability to really be nimble with where they live and work. Are there – it's kind of a two-part question. Are there any specific markets that mm. are experienced, let's say – significant growth that's the first part of the question and the second part of the question is the opposite of that is there like significant decline yeah so there's there's a little bit of both going on the growth markets are the ones that i feel from looking at the list here they're the ones that really facilitate people being able to work from home and have that remote lifestyle so like bethel which is in fairfield county Mm -hmm. it's a little bit out there It's not like right in the thick of it where you have a huge downtown right by there, but it's somewhat close to Danbury. You have access to New York City and that sort of thing, not too far. So Bethel, Connecticut is a high growth market. Brookfield, also in Fairfield County, very high growth market. These are markets that have been stable, but they hadn't had a lot of growth up until recently because, again, you might have a little longer commute if you're living in these areas and you need to go in right away. A lot of the buyers I'm dealing with in these markets have the hybrid life we were talking about or 
they work 100% from home. So they don't mind living a little bit further out to get a great value. Another area, Stanford. Now, Stanford, <laughs> obviously, big city, a yeah. lot of growth. It, it's had a lot of growth the last couple of years. But if you look back like five years ago, Stanford was in decline. Like not a lot of people wanted to move there. There was crime rates going up and all that. And they've ushered in a new group. Actually, a good friend of mine in his late 20s just bought a house in Stanford because he liked the proximity that it had to the city, the amenities, a lot of good restaurants and things. But it also he works from home a lot of the time. So he was able to kind of have the best of both worlds with that. Um, Another huge one. That a lot of people wouldn't think of, but it's the Hartford, West Hartford municipal area is one of the highest growth markets. There was actually a um, an article written December 7th by Realtor.com that put Hartford, West Hartford, MSA as the number one growth market in the entire United States for 2023. And the reason that it's like that is because it didn't see the huge run up in prices that a lot of other areas saw. Yes, the taxes are not great, but the home prices are so low compared to other areas that it makes up for the little higher tax rate that you may pay or mill rate or whatnot. So those are your growth markets in Connecticut. Now, as far as declining markets, probably the ones you would think, kind of your more inner city areas like Bridgeport, New Haven, New Britain, and Bristol. Now, when we say declining, it's not that nobody's buying homes there. They are. Actually, some of those markets that are declining are some of the more affordable markets in Connecticut. But again, because of this influx of people and the ability to kind of live where you want to live a little bit more than you used to before, people don't want to live in the inner city if they don't have to, right? A lot of people would live there because of the close proximity to their jobs, that sort of thing. Why are you going to live in Bridgeport if you don't have to, with all due respect, you know? Why are you going to live in downtown New Haven if you don't have to? There may be a suburb that you want to live in that's a little more attractive. Maybe the schools are better. That's another thing. These areas, I haven't looked it up, but I know from dealing with my clients that the areas I'm talking about that are on the decline, they don't have the best schools. They don't give the best education. Most of the people that are living in those areas, unfortunately, don't get educated to the point where they can go to the high top tier Ivy League schools and even have that opportunity. There's other reasons for that, but a lot of it is just, like Gary said earlier, like giving your family more than you had, giving more opportunity, better opportunity than you had. I'm wondering, I mean, people do look into school systems, right? When they're looking to buy a, a new home are they looking at a uh the the school systems and then maybe b the police or how safe they feel in that community i mean that's got a factor absolutely in too, right? i have clients literally move only because of school system like that is the only reason is uh, i had a client move from manchester to glastonbury that was their only reason that they moved was my kids are getting into middle school i want them to have a really good uh, upbringing in a better area. The schools that they were going to go to in Manchester were like three and four rated. The mm. schools that they had the opportunity to go to in Glastonbury were eight, nine, ten rated, right? So this uh, this particular family was willing to move and sell their home mm-hmm. and take that higher interest rate and suck it up so that they could provide more for their family. So that's a huge reason. Maybe not number one, but there's a lot of people right now that are saying, I want my kids to be in a better school district, and yeah. it, it totally makes sense because normally the areas with the better schools also have lower crime, also have better police, also have all those other things. So they're all connect- interconnected exactly. there. So then what challenges uh, in, in the housing market currently are, are being faced, Like, and, and how are they being addressed? There's some huge challenges going on right now. 
Uh, and everyone kind of has their own particular scenario and what they identify with. But I'd say the number one challenge is affordability. Right. The house prices have been rising faster than wages in almost all areas. And that's making it difficult to stomach these higher mortgage rates and these higher payments that you're going to need to afford a home. There are some things being done, though, to address this. Uh, government programs that offer down payment assistance are available um, not for everyone, but for, you know, the less privileged. There's tax credits that are being offered and there's incentives that are going to developers and other people. I just heard about recently incentives, uh, tax incentives to developers to take like these old buildings that were just run down factories that were vacant and turn those into affordable housing. There's actually quite a bit of that going on right now in Connecticut. And we're going to see that over the next 12, 24 months. Those are going to become affordable housing. This is new housing. That's nicely amenitized and they're actually reserving a portion of that for people that make below, you know, area median income and certain criteria. So that's one thing that we're doing to to help uh, with the affordable housing issue. The next thing is limited inventory. Like we've been talking mm. on this show for the better part of a year or two about this limited inventory issue. There's a shortage for homes for sale, which is driving up prices and it's making it difficult for buyers to actually find the home they need. So like when you're going through the process of looking at homes, you have your checklist. I want this many many bedrooms, this many bathrooms, and these couple things. Maybe it's a garage. Maybe it's a solar system. Maybe it's a pool. There's all these things you want. Well, if there's only five homes, you don't really have that much to look for, right? You don't have to, that much to look at. You can't be that picky. Whereas like go back three, four, five years, you might have 20, 30, 40 homes that meet your criteria. So the inventory is so low, it's a huge challenge because you can't necessarily get your dream home on the first try. It may be a situation where you have to get your first home up front. Maybe it's not exactly what you want. Build some equity and then move up You know, in a couple years when you've built that equity are on better standing to maybe afford something a little bit more. Now, the incentives that are going into the inventory, the limited inventory issue, is that local governments are – they're supposed to be really going in and helping builders and encouraging builders to construct new homes that are going to be affordable properties. Not million-dollar properties, but affordable properties. Um, Also, like I was saying a minute ago, converting existing properties into rental units. So taking a place that was vacant and developing that into affordable housing, into rental units that can actually be rented out to others uh, that maybe can't afford to buy a home right up front, that need to build up their savings, build their credit, that sort of thing. So... You know, on this show, we really hone in on obviously buying a home, but there's also a shortage of rentals as well. We can't ignore that. So that's the limited inventory. The next thing is tight lending standards. So, you know, before I'll even go back like 15 years to the last housing crisis, you could get a a mortgage pretty much if you could fog a mirror. There wasn't a lot of, uh, of scrutiny being done in underwriting. We all know what that led to the housing crisis, the crash. Horrible, horrible economic time, the Great Mm. Recession that was caused by the housing crisis. So lenders loosened up a bit. But then with COVID-19, we saw them tighten back up a little bit. Like the credit scores went up a bit after COVID-19. I used to be able to easily get people approved with a 580. Now it's not so easy. Now it's like in the 600 to 620 being the minimum score. So they have tightened that up a bit, which has made it more difficult for some people to qualify for a mortgage. There is incentives, though, that are being offered and it's being addressed by 
creating more education. I know every day I see new home buying programs coming out. Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac have these first-time buyer loans called Home Ready and Home Possible that are low-down payment initiatives. They don't require as high credit as some of the other conventional loans. Um, They're a little more forgiving on on some things like debt-to-income ratio, but they do require home buyer education. So one of the reasons that you get one of these loans is home buyer education. You have to actually get educated before they let you get the mortgage. It sounds like there are government policies or initiatives that are affecting the house market, if I'm understanding you correctly. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's all about government incentives because that's who really drives the economy and drives a lot of the development things. So a couple of things that have happened is the Federal Reserve – was buying all these mortgage-backed securities and treasuries when we hit the pandemic because they had to prop up the economy. Mm. So that's why you saw mortgage rates go so low. But now they're not doing that anymore. They're not buying near as many as they were. They're not propping up the market like they were in 2020 and 2021. And that's one of the main factors that's leading to the higher mortgage rates we're seeing. Another thing is COVID-19 forbearance. So the government made these incentives for mortgage lenders to allow people to stop making their mortgage payments during the pandemic. It really started, I think, back around April or May of 2020. And a lot of those incentives you could extend and and extend really without much verification. Well, a lot of that's coming to the end. A lot of those people are coming out of that forbearance now. Folks, you're listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show in the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast, along with Rob Weinberg. I'm Gary Byron. You can reach him at 860-413-3938 and online at robgw.com. Rob, are there any trends or, I don't know, innovations that are shaping the future of the housing market? Yeah, quite a few trends. So you got the rise of remote work. That's definitely a big thing. People are looking for homes with more space, more amenities, Mm -hmm. home office, that sort of thing. Another one is energy efficiency. A lot of people are getting more in tune with the environment, that sort of thing. So there's a growing demand for homes that are energy efficient and environmentally friendly, especially from your like millennials, uh, Gen Z, those sort of uh, home buyers. And it's being driven by concerns about the climate change, you know, and the desire to reduce energy costs. Costs. Energy costs are going up so much, as we all know. So being able to get a home that's more energy efficient, has that sort of thing, it's a huge a huge win for a home buyer. Uh, rental market has been growing significantly. So that's definitely shaping the future of the housing market because in recent years, like with the affordability of buying a home being down, a lot more people are needing to rent. They like the flexibility of that and whatnot. Um, so that's a big incentive there. And there's also an increasing amount of high quality rental properties. Like there's actually homes now that I see rented that are like half a million to a million dollar homes that anyone would be proud to live in. These these homeowners or these management companies are actually renting these out and making a profit on them. Many years ago, that wasn't possible. There was very few very high end homes available, luxury homes, so to speak. That's there now. The use of technology is also, you know, shaping the future of the housing market, as we'll talk about on our next episode. And it's being used to make the process of buying and selling a home just a lot quicker, a lot easier, less stress, more efficient and more convenient. And I'm talking about things like virtual tours of homes. Ten years ago, that wasn't really a thing. Now it's 
the rage. Like everyone's doing it. And online mortgage applications. Almost everyone now uh, gets an online mortgage application. You don't have to do it that way, but it's definitely a trend that we're seeing. Tiny homes. The last one I'll say that I'm seeing as a trend for the future, tiny homes. People see the benefit of having a smaller property, needing to pay for less heating bills, uh, just having something with no frills. You know, a lot of the younger generation, they don't need the $4,000 or 4,000 square foot, five bedroom, four bath behemoth mansion. They're more interested in something that's, you know, a little bit easier to live in, a little bit easier to maintain, a little bit less costly. Then what advice would you have for, let's say, someone who is looking to buy or sell a home in this current market? Definitely. So some major tips if you're looking to buy a home in the current market. Number one, work with a real estate pro. You need someone that's a true advisor on the side of finding you a home, looking for a real estate broker, an agent that can help you navigate the process. That's really got a lot of experience and can provide you with valuable guidance and advice. Next thing is research the market. Don't just go at it with no knowledge. Like, go and educate yourself on what's going on in the local housing market. Talk to a couple real estate professionals and lenders to know what's going on and get that boots on the ground uh, advice on what to do and, and your timing. It can help you make more informed decisions about pricing and that sort of thing. Next thing is going to be be prepared to move quickly. This is huge because with the limited inventory and so many people right now trying to buy homes, you got to be ready to go. If you see a property, you got to be pre-approved, ready to make your offer right away. Mm. No, let me go home and think about it for three days. Let me talk to my brother's cousin's uncle's niece and see what she thinks. <laughs> I'll get back to you in a week. You're going to lose the home. I have many buyers that have just gone under contract in the last few weeks. Yes, during the holiday time, they're going under contract because they were ready to seize the opportunity. They were ready to go when everyone else is like, I'll do it next year. They're doing it now. Last thing is be flexible. Be, uh, you know... Be ready to negotiate. Be flexible with your closing timelines, different things, different loan programs. That can really give you the edge when it comes to getting your offer accepted. How about changes in the housing market uh, that potential buyers and sellers should be aware of? Yeah, so, you know, there's a lot of changes that do come about as we navigate, you know, the coming year, right? And what's going on with real estate. So changes that I would say are the interest rates. We know they've changed a lot already. They're going to continue to change. Hopefully they'll be going on the downtrend, but just be ready for a lot of volatility, a lot of fluctuations with rates. Next thing is government policies uh, and programs. So there's a lot of changes to government programs like down payment assistance and whatnot that can affect the housing market. Sometimes there's tax credits that can help actually bring in more development, bring in more housing. And sometimes it's the opposite. The government will make a policy that'll make people be like, forget it. I'm not buying a home. This doesn't make sense. Market conditions are going to change. And obviously there's going to be changes in the economy. That's all going to affect housing. That's why you need to work with experts and professionals that know what's going on every single day so they can help advise you on all this stuff we're talking about. Don't go at it alone. All right. I got just one more question. Um, What do you expect in the housing market? Uh, Do you expect it to evolve in the next few years? or Definitely. I think we're going to see huge continued growth in the housing market. There's people calling for a crash and all that. No way. Absolutely not. There's way too many people trying to buy homes, way too many people that are not selling their home. It's creating this huge flux like we talked about earlier. Continued growth, increase in technology. Uh, we're going to see more and more innovation in the mortgage industry, which is the uh, topic for next week's show. More focus on sustainability, like we were talking about with climate change and all this uh, environmental stuff going on. There's going to be more of a focus on that in the coming couple of years. Continued expansion of the rental market. As real estate prices continue to escalate, it's going to be harder and harder to buy a home. 
So there's going to be more people trying to rent homes. That can create huge opportunities for real estate investors, developers, people like that. The last thing is diverse housing options, demand for lots of different options, smaller homes, affordable homes, homes that are better you know, suited for people, one story, that sort of thing. Folks, you have been listening to Mortgage Matters Radio Show in the Connecticut Real Estate Edge podcast. If you would like more information on this show or any other that we do, uh, simply head online to www.robgw.com. Again, that's robgw.com. By the way, if you'd like to schedule a meeting or a consultation with Rob Weinberg, I uh, strongly recommend you to do that. Um, 860-413-3938. I'm going to say it again. Write this number down today. If you, obviously, I wouldn't expect you to you know, call this number today, but uh, certainly Monday. That's why I want you to write it down. 860-413-3938. And by the way, if you'd like to email him, hey, maybe we can get your question answered on this uh, show, on these very airwaves. It's Mortgage Matters Radio Show at Gmail. Dot com. For Rob Weinberg, I'm Gary Byron. Thanks so much for listening to the Mortgage Matters Radio Show and the Connecticut Real Estate Age Podcast. Until next weekend, have a good one, everybody. So long. Thanks for listening. If you have questions about the information we've covered or would like to discuss mortgage financing for your situation, you can reach Robert Weinberg by visiting www.robgw.com.